As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, I know for sure that Dennis is really excited right now. That's because <laughs> this is bringing back the glory days. 49ers, Cowboys for the second straight year, Dennis. I mean, we had to wait a long time. I mean, prior to last season, the, the most recent time the 49ers and Cowboys had played in the playoffs was back when you were playing and winning Super Bowl rings. So... Yeah. Now you get it two years in a row. 49ers Cowboys. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, I, I know this is this is probably one of the tougher teams, uh, you know, when, when we when we kind of did the scenarios. Um, but this is this is what I love. I mean, this this rivalry. I mean, we've talked about the Seahawk rivalry last year or last week, but this rivalry, it actually goes way back to Kizar, if you think about it. Uh, you know, keys are, and then, you know, the, the whole thing with, with the catch and Dwight and, and, and that, that 81. And then when I came to the team, you know, after my rookie season in 1990, when we lost to the Giants, you know, we had like four years where we played. It, it felt like we played the Cowboys during the regular season and then during the playoffs. And it was always NFC championship game. And we, I think we lost one there. We lost two here in Candlestick. And then we finally got over the hump in 94. So, I mean, yeah, this is a tough team. I mean, on both sides of the football. And this is going to be a physical football game. But for me, man, I'm excited about it. I'm excited. And, you know, we know how, you know, Dallas Cowboy and, they, and Cowboys fans travel. I mean, it's it's going to be – Levi's is going to be a exciting place come Sunday around 3 o'clock. And it's prime time. So – it's. I mean, I'm excited about it. It's fun, and you know, it's 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 fun, and it could because it takes me back to to all the different battles that we had in that offensive line, and you know, bringing in Dion and bringing in Gary Plummer and and Kenny Kenny Norton Jr. You know, so it, it was every year. I tell you, man, every year it was it was. We know we got to play Dallas. Can we get over the Dallas hump? And we finally did it. So I'm excited about that. Well, I, I want to ask Matt about you know how big this rivalry is from from an East Coaster's perspective because Matt he's from he's from the East Coast and back in the '90s when when you were playing Dennis uh, that you know that that's when he was still back there and based uh-huh. on what I understand this was 
Titanic, right? Because uh, <laughs> literally the, the 1994 NFC Championship game played in January 95 was the most star-studded game that ever took place. You had... Uh, I wrote it in the article about that when I interviewed you a couple years ago, but you had something like 20 something pro bowlers on the field. It was crazy. We'll never see that again because, you know, that era started the salary cap. Anyway, I was a kid in California, so I remember it. You were a player for the 49ers. You remember it. But Matt, uh, you were out on the East Coast. Where were you at the time from 92 to 94 when the 49ers and Cowboys uh, played in the NFC Championship game for three straight seasons. I was in college, so I was watching. <laughs> I was watching those games in the dorm. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, it goes back uh, before that for me. I mean, I feel like, and I was a huge, huge Washington fan growing up. Like uh, bled burgundy and gold. But it, it, even saying that, I feel like the seminal moment for me for the M- NFL was the catch. I mean. I was just at the right age. I was born in, in 1973, so uh, you know, just that that age where you're just kind of absorbing it all. Um, and um, I, I didn't know the the history at the time, obviously, about all the losses in in the in the 1970s. Just heartbreaking, just gut wrenching losses that people today, when they recall them, I mean, they they just there's like a, a pallor in their skin. Um, it was just so uh, so shocking to to continue to lose to that team like they like the like the 49ers used to, um, and then to have that catch happen um, that to me was was the greatest moment in the NFL and you know just uh, was one of the sort of the, the middle chapters it turns out in this rivalry and uh, that's what uh, that's what Charles and Menahue Dennis was talking about today. Charles is from the Dallas area. And um, he said that uh, he remembered last year's game very clearly because he had a huge game, first of all. He was one of the guys that really kind of stepped in for Nick Bosa when Bosa had a concussion. Uh, But he had lots of family and friends, and he knew that um, it was just a gut punch to all that group, um, everybody in that stadium who was wearing uh, white or blue when the 49ers won. He, He knows it very clearly from growing up there. And, um, you know, he's, he's one of the guys that are going to have to step up in this game. They're going to have to play against Dak Prescott like they played last year. And I got the sense today in talking to some of those defensive players that they didn't feel like they had that in the first half against the Seahawks, that that hair on fire intensity needs to be brought back. They need to duplicate what they did um, in the opening round last year against uh, the Cowboys in the divisional round this year. you got to have some sense of urgency. And, uh, you know, watching Dak, I mean, Dak's, Dak can make some plays. He's a dynamic quarterback. Um, he can get you with his legs. He extends plays. He can run for those first downs if he reads that, you know, that man coverage. Um, and, you know, he's got a good run game. I mean, he's got, he's got a couple of really good running backs back there. And, you know, so he is, he, he, he is a quarterback that you got to kind of corral. You got to be disciplined in your pass rush lanes because, you know, he can find those little windows and, and get at it. And I, I remember last year, you know, you talk about gut punches. I remember the when they kind of scanned uh, into the stands and they had all these different pitches, these different memes that were made where people just, you know, you could tell it was a gut punch because people were crying and, you know, the, the looks on their faces, the emotions were here because I mean, you talk, this is America's team. And this is why, you know, I don't know where it came from, but, uh, you know, they've been, you know, kind of ordained as the America's team. And, you know, when you see that star, um, you know, you feel different. And you know what? When I see the star, I get upset. 
I mean, it, I mean, just because of the battles we had with them. But I hate the star, but people seem to like it. So, I mean, this is a big time game. And, you know, and it's and I, I, I just get when I'm thinking about it, I just think, you know, defense has to set the tone. I mean, you have to set the tone in this game. I mean, you can't spot this team anything because, you know, the, the game can get away real fast. And we saw it, you know, against Tampa Bay. Um, the game can get away because it's a good offense. And they, they've got a really strong defense, too. But defense has to set the tone. And like every game, it's going to be won and lost at the line of scrimmage, right? Um, you got to get after this offense. It's a decent offensive line. But like I said, they got a good run game. Uh, and you know they they don't mind kind of flexing it a little bit. They want to be physical. You got to be out physical. You got out physical this football team, uh, or they'll extend plays, or they'll 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 milk the clock. They'll they'll run the ball, pound it, pound it, get in the red zone, and try to take a shot and punch it in. So defense has to set the tone. It can't be the same as it was last week against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you got to start the game off strong. You got to get after Dak Prescott. You got to make him throw some interceptions. Make him make some bad mistakes um, and make some bad decisions. If not, can get out of hand. Well, this is the number one defense in the league, the 49ers against the number two defense in the league in the Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, you know, ready, set, match. This is a marquee yeah. matchup. Last year, Dallas came in actually as the number one offense and the 49ers ended up, I don't want to say shutting them out, but they shut them down for the majority of the game. Dak Prescott looked really bad against the 49ers defense last year. And remember that Nick Bosa exited in the first half with a concussion and Fred Warner exited late. So they were without Bosa and Warner down the stretch. They didn't have Charvarius Ward yet. He was still in Kansas City. And the 49ers really handled Dallas last year. So this year, they're, they're going to have more talent at their disposal. And Dennis is absolutely right. 49ers are tasked with slowing slash stopping a Dallas offense that was worse this year than it was last year during the regular season, but is coming off its best performance of the season on the road to win the wild card in a blowout over Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. So there, there's the big question, right? Entering this game, are the 49ers going to see the Dak Prescott that threw 15 interceptions in the regular season, his by far his highest interception rate so far uh, over his NFL career, or are they going to see the Dak Prescott that just knifed up, Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay's got a legit defense this past Monday night. So uh, the 49ers will probably tell you we don't care which Dak Prescott it is. If we play our game, we're going to shut him down. But this mm -hmm. is, you know, put up or shut up time, right? And we look at this 49ers defense, it's not the 2019 pass rush, but they want to approximate that pass rush as much as possible. And I love that Matt brought up Charles Amenahu because. When Bosa went out last year, the 49ers need it badly to have somebody pick up that slack. And it was a Mena who had six pressures, a sack and a half, and only 21 pass rushing snaps. He overpowered Tyron Smith with those long arms. Tyron Smith is one of the strongest guys in the NFL. He benches like 700 pounds. And, uh, you, you know, we, we saw Charles Amenahu just go and take it to him. He doesn't actually bench 700. I'm just, I'm, he benches a lot. Let's put it that way. <laughs> just in case anybody takes me literally here. But, but anyway, Tyron Smith is, is really strong. Charles Amenahu overpowered him last year. So my question is, will Amenahu have the same kind of success this season paired with a big game from Nick Bosa? Because Matt, if that happens... You're looking at the 49ers, I think, being able to overwhelm Dallas up front. And if 49ers overwhelm people up front, everything seems to flow on the back end. One reason that the Seattle Seahawks saw some success last week is because they found a way to neutralize the 49ers' pass rush over the course of the first half, right? No pressures for Nick Bosa, a lot of double teaming, 
I'm sure Dennis will say a lot of holding. I agree. Yes, if, if, yes, if that's your take, yes. Dennis, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but still, they kept Nick Bosa off the board, and it wasn't until Charles Amenahu delivered the strip sack that this game turned around. So the quicker the pass rush hits, the better chance the 49ers have of winning this game. Yeah, I thought the the thing that this, the Seahawks did well was was they ran the ball. I mean, they, they had 20 rushes in the first half. They were on their way to 40, which is what the the 49ers uh, parameter usually is for, for wins. If they can run the ball 40 times, they, they know that they're going to win the game. So uh, the 49ers defense is is far better, and this is true of any defense, when they can make a, make a, a, an opponent one-dimensional, which is what they did with the help of their own offense in the second half. Um, I think the, the Seahawks only had five rushes in, in, the, uh, in the second half. So uh, we've been talking about this all year. It's all kind of part and par- parcel of one another. You stop the run, then you can kind of tee off and really disrupt the quarterback. And that's what I, I saw on Monday night is that Dak, Dak Prescott looked comfortable. Uh, he was dealing back there. He was he was seeing things early, wasn't getting a lot of pressure, um, and it was far different for him in the in that first round game last year. He was hit Dennis fourteen times uh, by the 49ers. That's a huge number, uh, yes. and it's uh, a a colossal number when you consider that Bosa left the game uh, late in the second quarter. So that's all throughout the second half. They didn't have Bosa. They didn't have Fred Warner. For the most of the fourth quarter, he was out with a, an ankle injury. So uh, it was a really uh, strong game uh, fr- from that unit. Uh, the special teams, that was one of those games where the special teams had a major blunder where they allowed a, a, a fake punt by the Cowboys. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, that was the game where he hurt his shoulder. And uh, he sailed an interception in the, in the second half. So it was sort of a disjointed game. Um, it came down to that uh, very frantic last-second drive by the, the Cowboys where Prescott had a really nice uh, long run at the end. But because of that run, they were out of timeouts, and he couldn't spike the ball. And uh, he said right after the, the, the Buccaneers game the other night that that, that play, that game, uh, has left a scab, or uh, I think he said a scar on him. Uh, and he's been thinking about that all season. It's been a real motivating force for him um, to kind of get his kind of P's and Q's, get all the preparation right, to not make a mistake by running the ball in that situation of the game, etc. So it, it sounds as if, uh, you know, that, that loss has been haunting the Cowboys all season long. And boy, <laughs> they would like uh, nothing more than a little revenge on Sunday. Oh, yeah. I, I, I believe that to be true because, you know, he, he took a lot of flack for that clock management and, you know, running the ball, they're running out of time. Um, but, uh, you know, you're right. I think, you know, he, Dak Prescott, he gets, he, gets a, he gets a lot of flack, but he's a good quarterback. I mean, he's got a strong arm. And like I said, he, he's a dynamic quarterback because he can get you with his legs. He extends plays and, and you know, he's, he's got a good – receiving crew. I mean, C.D. Lamb, I think, is going to be a superstar in his league if he's not already a superstar. But, um, you know, he's got a great synergy with him uh, and he's able to get the ball to him. Uh, And, you know, the running game, you know, and that's how you neutralize a pass rush with your running game. Uh, And and Pollard is, you know, Zeke has still got a little bit in the tank. He's a tough runner. But uh, Tony Pollard, I mean, he is a he's a runner. Uh, and he gets after it. And, you know, if, if they get ahead of you first and second down and it's a third and two or third and three, um, it makes it easy for them to kind of possess the football. So, 
you're going to have to win. This defense is going to have to show up. You have to win early, early downs. You have to put Dak in the position where it's going to be on his shoulders. Then you have to get after him. And Dak's like any other any other quarterback. The way I see it is that Dallas has a lot of the same types of weapons that the Raiders have right. or had against the 49ers that can give you trouble, right? They've got a couple quality backs in Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. The Raiders obviously have a really good one in Josh Jacobs. They have a good tight end, Dalton Schultz. The Raiders had Darren Waller. And they have a true number one receiver in CeeDee Lamb who had over 1,300 yards this week, uh, this year. And obviously the Raiders did as well in, in Devontae Adams. Anyway, that type of team that has – capable players at each level, including that tight end level, which is so big for play action, those guys can can trick your eyes. Those guys can run the play fakes that can sucker you into the backfield because they have that credible threat of run, and then they could take advantage of any bad discipline issues on the back end, and that's exactly what the Raiders did when they got Hufanga's eyes stuck in the backfield on the play fakes to Josh Jacobs, and then Darren Waller had some big gains downfield. Devontae Adams had some big gains downfield. So Dallas has the capability to do the same type of stuff off of play action. And we know that Dak Prescott is more capable than a quarterback like Jared Stidham. So, uh, you know, if the Raiders could put up 34 on the 49ers uh, asleep at the switch, the Cowboys certainly can too. So it's going to take the 49ers being on their P's and Q's in this game. And this is where we come to the, you know, scenario and the the narrative, let's put it this way, after the 49ers played the Raiders, Matt, the 49ers were thankful that they faced that kind of test when the stakes were lower because obviously the defense did slip up, but they vowed to not let it repeat itself. Well, now it's time to, to prove that they did, in fact, heed that lesson because they're facing a Dallas team that has the capability, you know, especially with a guy like Dalton Schultz. He's the one that if I'm the 49ers, he'd scare me the most because he's quietly delivered a really, really productive season. He could really attack you in the seams. And if your one defensive big weakness has been getting stuck in the backfield on, on play action, Dalton Schultz is the kind of player that can really, really exploit that. Teammates with Christian McCaffrey at Stanford, by the way, and um, you know those offenses back, back then, back in those days, those offenses really, really feasted off of play action. I covered those teams. So uh, you know we, we've seen what McCaffrey can do with his dual threat versatility. Uh, it, watch out for what Dalton Schultz can do in that offense when the 49ers aren't sure if the Cowboys are going to pass or run. Yeah, Dalton Schultz uh, targeted eight times against the Buccaneers. Seven catches, 95 yards. That's uh, that's the best for both teams, and he scored two touchdowns. So he was a he was a major weapon in that game. Uh, I'm sure that the 49ers are are seeing that. But you're right. I mean, they have a, a diverse attack, um, just like the Raiders did. And uh, I, I think the 49ers, um, you know, can handle that. I did sense, though, like I said earlier, a theme in the locker room. And it came from Shanahan, it came from Nick Bosa and a couple of other guys that, uh, you know, last year, and we've talked about this, you know, the, the 49ers had to be on a roll to begin the playoffs because they had to be on a roll to, to make the playoffs uh, and that they had captured an intensity that they uh, were able to sort of bottle and just kind of bring from game to game. Uh, and uh, I, I don't want to say that there's a worry, but uh, the, the 49ers realize that they have to um, have that for four quarters in this game. They're not going to be able to kind of sleepwalk through the first half uh, like they like they did against the Seahawks and, uh, and uh, not expect to be gouged more than they were on Saturday. Um, that's, uh, that's the key. And if they can kind of ratchet up that intensity to – 
uh, a 2021 season level, um, you know, frankly, I, I see the, the results being the same. I don't think it's going to be a, a huge blowout like uh, it was against Seattle. But this is the more talented team. Uh, but, uh, boy, when that, when that defense is firing up, uh, firing in all cylinders, it's, it's elite. And when it's not, uh, it, it, there can be trouble. I mean, look, look at these last three games, Dennis, that they played. It was uh, Devontae Adams going off uh, against them um, in, in Las Vegas. It was A.J. Green who had a big game against them uh, with David Blau throwing him the ball. And um, it was uh, D.K. Metcalf on, on Saturday. So uh, you, you just talked about C.D. Lamb. They got Michael Gallup there. Um, uh, big play wide receivers have been a thorn in the 49ers' side to close the season and begin the playoffs. Yeah, and you know, also mobile quarterbacks, right? I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's the real kryptonite. And and that's what concerns me is the fact that you know, these mobile quarterbacks for some reason the 49ers have an issue with it. You know, their front seven linebacker crew, they have a a difficult time with mobile quarterbacks. And Dak Prescott is that. I mean, he he can he can do a lot with his legs and he's a powerful runner. He's a, you know, he'll slide, but you know, he'll make sure you get all the yards out of it. So Discipline pass rush lanes. Uh, it comes down to, you know, fundamentals. And this is one of those games. And we talk about, you know, to ratchet it up. Shoot, this is a divisional uh, a playoff game. If you can't ratchet it up for this, you know, you're in the wrong profession. I mean, and you're playing Dallas Cowboys in your home stadium. So, I mean, it's it's got to be, you know, like anything. You got to – it's got to be fundamentally sound. And I, and I just up front. You know, we talk about Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is going to be Nick Bosa. They're going to try to try to eliminate him by sliding and chipping and and all that stuff. But whoever lines up opposite of a Nick Bosa, a Minahue, whoever it might be, you got to have a big game. You know, in the middle, Eric Armstead. This this got to be a big gut pressure th- uh, game for Eric Armstead. Javon Kinlaw. You know, you, you got to get your pads down lower. You know, you got to first and second down. Uh, you got to eliminate the run. So you have the right to kind of rush the passer. So it's going to be fundamentals, and it's going to be won and loss at the line of scrimmage. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What about this narrative right now that I'm seeing on Twitter? People complaining that this isn't fair to the Cowboys because they have that uh, they have less rest than the 49ers. It's like, give me a break. It's completely fair because you every single team started the season with a chance to win the number one seed. Every single team in the NFL. I mean, you start 0-0, zero and zero, the slate is completely blank. Do not complain about scheduling in the playoffs when you had a chance to win the one seed. That's how it works in the NFL. If you don't win the one seed, you don't get a bye, and you have to deal with the scheduling consequences. Guess what happened last year to the 49ers? They started off slow. They didn't win the one seed. They barely squeaked in. And you don't hear them complain at all about the fact they were exhausted going through the playoffs. The schedule is terrible for them. They're going road game, road game, road game, everything, elimination, ice game, and Lambeau Field. Hey, the Packers had an, an extra week of rest on the 49ers, right? The Packers had a bye week last week. In Lambeau, and the 49ers were coming off of two really tough wins on the road. Elimination game wins against the Rams in Week 18, and then Dallas. And they went in and they beat the Packers. You know, I just, I, I, I hate this kind of stuff. When people are complaining about the schedule in the playoffs, when it was under their control to avoid that schedule. I mean, Dallas let Philly win their division. So, you know, my thing, Matt, is it's not supposed to be easy for a five seed. The 49ers last year were the sixth seed. It's not supposed to be easy for a sixth seed either. 49ers earned their two seed this year. The, the, the road should be easier for the two seed, right? The, that, that's kind of how this, this whole process is supposed to work. Well, look at the Rams last year. They played on that Monday night game to open the playoffs. And then they had to go uh, fly across the country to play at Tampa Bay in the second round. They won that game. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think that they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not quite sure on that. So uh, it's possible to to start out the the playoffs with that Monday night draw, which you know I I certainly wouldn't want it if I was a player. Um, but if you're a good team, you can you can kind of handle that. And uh, and the Rams certainly did last year. Um, yeah, and, uh, and and Shanahan talked about that today. Uh, that uh, you know really uh, when it comes to the playoffs, uh, rest and recovery go out the window as soon as the the whistle sounds and and the kickoff occurs um but dennis i mean um intensity and uh capturing intensity were a theme today for the 49ers and i know that your teams uh must have had uh first round buys uh, and and i know that you had a just a kind of the the ultimate um you know guy to rally the team and make sure that there was no letdown in, in Ronnie Lott. But uh, what's your recollection of that? Making sure that there was no kind of slippage, no relaxing, um, that you didn't start out slow and, and need a couple of quarters to get into it. What was the the method that you recall back then? It was focus. And it, and it, and it all kind of started um, early in the week during practice. Um, you know, I, I played with Ronnie for two seasons, uh, but he wasn't there when he won the Super Bowl. And, it you know, it, it comes down to the leadership. At that time, we had Kenny Norton, uh, Gary Plummer, um, Tim McDonald. So it, it was it was just focus. And, 
and it was just being accountable. And I can remember, you know, that 94 season, um, having Tim McDonald, you know, being one of the captains, having us, you know, after practice, the whole group watching film, uh, especially when um, the playoffs came. It was just important. And, um, you know, of course, Kenny and, and, and Gary, Gary Plummer and, you know, Ricky Jackson. It was just the focus. And I think it starts early in your preparation. And then, you know, it just kind of carries over to the Sunday or Saturday or Monday night you're going to play the football game. And, you know, I, you know people are upset. But uh, if you're in the playoffs and you're a player, I mean, first of all, you know, you happen to be in the playoffs. But if you come from an organization like the San Francisco 49ers, expectations are high. And, you know, and we used to walk into that 4949 building and we would see the trophies. This is before they put them out front. I mean, we had trophies inside the locker room and we could see the trophies and we knew what the ex- expectations were. So it was, it was it, you know, to, to get ready for a playoff game, it was pretty easy because we had great leadership, but there are expectations and we knew the expectations and we knew kind of what to expect uh, in the playoffs. And we knew every team was going to be playing their Super Bowl against us. And, you know, I only, I only won one Super Bowl, uh, but I played in, I think it was six NFC championship games or five or something like that. So, you know, it, it was always there and we always kind of, that was always an obstacle, you know, and my rookie season, I came in, they won back-to-back Super Bowls and we fought to get back in 94 for an opportunity to compete. So, you know, it's, it's all about your leadership and your preparation. And then, then there's no fall off. And then it just, it just transfers very easily onto the football game because, you know, you're ready to play. I mean, this is, this is what you do it for. And if that's kind of the, the sense of urgency, if it's kind of planted, that seed is planted early in the week, like this is our goal. Super Bowl is our goal. And your, and your leaders kind of carry themselves that way and make other people accountable. Like, where are you going? You know, it's only, it's only seven o'clock. Where are you going? We try to win a championship. We can watch some more film or something like that. So I think it all starts with preparation. Well, speaking of preparation, 49ers still have a rookie quarterback. He's prepared pretty damn well so far throughout these starts. Six starts, 34.8 points per game, the average for the 49ers. It'd be, I think, I need to do the math on this, but I think it might be 40 or right near there if you take out the one for which he was hurt against Seattle where they scored only 21 points. I'm going to do the math uh, as soon as I'm done talking here and I hand it off to to, to Matt and then I'll, I'll come back and, and let you guys know. But the 49ers offense has just blown the top off here over the past few weeks. I have a piece coming out on Thursday morning on The Athletic just about Purdy and his job of playing point guard and distributing the football to the sheer amount of weapons. It's just sheer weaponry that the 49ers have. And, you know, I think the big question entering this game from a national level should be, does Dallas and its number two defense, do, do they have enough to, to slow a 49ers offense that looks completely unstoppable right now? Because, Matt, you have several components here. You have the number three pass-blocking offensive line of football. It's a massive step up for the 49ers this year. We've been talking about it on the podcast for years. 49ers have to get better in pass protection if they're serious about winning a Super Bowl. Guess what? They did that. On top of that, they have so many weapons that it just creates this you know, space effect on the field. And we saw it against the Seattle Seahawks. The 49ers had four receivers who averaged at least 18.5 yards per reception. Brock Purdy threw, I believe, 10 passes. They had 10 completions of passes that traveled at least 20 yards in the air. And I don't remember a single one of those that had to go into a tight window. It was just guys roaming 
wide open downfield. So, uh, you know, you, you look at that game and you're like, ooh, the 49ers might have been able to score 60 had they hit on all their all their plays. They, they missed quite a few, right? They had to kick some field goals in, in the first half. But you, you come away from that look saying, wow, that was a dominant setup that the 49ers had. And they probably left some meat on the bone. Can Dallas change those dynamics? I know they have Micah Parsons, a uh, good edge rusher who obviously was in, probably still in contention with, with Nick Bosa for Defensive Player of the Year, but he's a, a heavy underdog now. Bosa's the big favorite there. You have to neutralize Parsons. He's probably going to be working against right tackle. He'd probably use George Kittle to help Mike McGlinchey because you have such an excess of weapons, you can afford to do that. And on the back end, you have a player like Trayvon Diggs, the the cornerback who, to me, is kind of a boom or bust player. He is able to rack up some interceptions, but he also gets cooked in coverage because he takes some of those chances. Last year, Brandon Ayuk, I think, roasted him frequently. I thought there were three or four plays where he got a lot of separation. So Dallas has some pieces. They have some results on defense, but it has been a boomer bust defense, Matt. I, I still remember that game against Jacksonville a few weeks ago where they just went into Florida and got completely lit up, right? You know, I look at this and I say, is it likely that they can slow down the 49ers? I, I don't think so. I think the 49ers are a runaway freight train right now. It's going to take a lot to slow down this offense. Yeah, and that kind of speaks to the symbiotic relationship between the, the offense and the defense. When the offense scores points, the uh, opposing team has to abandon the running game. And then, um, you know, that's when the 49ers defense really kind of sinks its teeth into the opponent. So that's obviously the 49ers game plan. Um, you know, I like your, your point guard analogy. Uh, I wonder whether Brock Purdy, a, a son of the Phoenix area, would, would like a, uh, a, a Steve Nash comparison. Uh, he, might, he might appreciate that, or he might be too, too, too young to know who Steve well, Nash he, is. He, I asked him if he ever played organized basketball, and he said no. So I was thinking about oh, going yeah, that he was direction. a baseball player. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, and I figured a, a, a at some level, maybe, maybe some basketball, but he's like, nah, no. But I, he calls himself a point guard, so it's rare when you when you come across uh, an NFL player who has no basketball background. Like they all played basketball, so that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty interesting that he's uh, he's the rare guy that was a, a baseball guy. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's also a uh, a, bas- a baseball guy. He was a catcher, uh, which always kind of astounds what? me because that. That's that's usually where I picture you. That's crazy. One of the least athletic guys on your team. Hey, I was a catcher. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Dennis. <laughs> well, the, the reason they put D'Amico at catcher is because he has such a kind of calming demeanor. Like he was the guy. A, he was dependable. There wasn't a ball that was going to get past him. But they knew that uh, with D'Amico at catcher, he could settle down the pitcher. Very kind of soothing. Uh, confidence-building personality. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, but uh, that always kind of surprised me. I, I, I would have thought he would have been like a shortstop or, or something like that when he played uh, uh, baseball. I forget, well, we were talking about the 49ers offense. One thing that, that jumps out is that um, it's, it's, it's healthy. Uh, you know, that, that, that's rare for this team to have all of its weapons at the same time. And there was kind of one more sort of cherry on top of that today, we're recording this on Wednesday, it's that Christian McCaffrey, uh, he's been on their injury report um, with a knee issue since, I think it was week 13, the beginning of December. Uh, and it obviously hasn't slowed him down much, but he's, you know, he's, he's sat out of practice here and there. He's been limited here and there. Uh, on Wednesday, he wasn't listed at all. 
which uh, suggests that he's kind of healthier than he's been uh, in the last month, uh, which obviously is a uh, a wonderful thing for this uh, for this offense moving forward. Yeah, uh, and and funny story about you know my baseball experience. I was put at catcher. Uh, and it, it didn't last very long because um, every time the batter would swing the ball, I would or seem swing the bat, I would blink my eyes. So I, I, I missed a lot of balls. So there was a lot of bases stolen on me. So baseball, I found out really early, baseball was not my sport because uh, I didn't have I, I couldn't keep my eyes open. As the as the batter was swinging the bat, so I like you I uh, as far as collisions at the plate, though, Dennis. You must have excelled in that area. Well, yeah, I don't know if there were collisions. I mean, I I, I don't think most guys that came around third base, uh, you know, if it was if it wasn't open, they wouldn't come in. So, so it was kind of interesting. So, being the biggest guy, you know, on the on the baseball field, not many guys challenge. But then I found basketball, and basketball was good. But I didn't like the running, so you know I wanted to huddle. So I I found football. So that was yeah, the, you get that breather. <laughs> you football get that gives you that breather, right? <laughs> Thankfully, you played before these hurry up offenses, right? That that would have been that would have been painful. Yeah, we, I mean, we had a couple. I remember, you know, the the uh, Atlanta Falcons used to run kind of a, they called the sugar huddle, and uh, they 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 would they would line up on the they would call their huddle on the line and just turn around and snap the ball. So you know that was always challenging. But you still get a little bit of rest. You get a little bit of huddle. Um, so, you know, you're talking about the Dallas defense, and they've got some horses. And, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, I mean, he, I know he's questionable now, but, I mean, he's something that on, on the outside, he comes on the inside. He's he's still got a little bit of juice in his, you know, in, in, in his tank. So, and, and I'm sure they're going to watch that Seattle film because uh, it, it looked like, you know, Brock Purdy had some issues, you know, with that linebacker. I don't know if the linebacker at Seattle, if they were spying him. Or if that was the coverage. I mean, they were taking away some of those interior passes for yeah. sure. So, you know, that's that's something that I'm sure Dallas is going to look at. But, again, you know, healthy. You know, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he, he takes it to a different level. I mean, you got Debo, and you see what Brandon Ayuk is doing. Uh, and Juwan Jennings, you know, I know he was kind of, he's kind of banged up a little bit. But there's so many weapons. And, you know, the reference to point guard, I mean, that's it. I mean, if if – if Brock Purdy can extend plays like he did against the Seahawks, avoid stack or sacks, make good decisions, and just get the ball out, you know, get the ball out to the playmakers. Um, I mean, we forget last week, even though the first half wasn't so good, I think they put 16 points on the board, 17 points on the board, but then they just ignited. They blew up in the second half and ended up with 41 points. So, you know, when this offense is, is clicking on all cylinders, I, I don't know if you can stop it. You know, Parsons is one person. You know, he, he, I mean, he can, he can take over a football game, but you can also use, you know, his aggressiveness against him. You know, you can run a lot of draws. You can a lot of run, run a lot of runs right to him as he's getting upfield. There's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a run lane behind him. Cutbacks. If I, I, I noticed the way he plays, I mean, he's, he's, he's fast and he's reactive, but cutbacks, there's always a, a cutback running lane against him. So, I mean, you can do some things. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan is going to scheme it up a little bit, but this is this is a good defense. They got some horses on this defense on all three levels. So, um, you know, forty or the uh, the offense has to be on point, just like the defense. Um, you know, you're on turf or you're on grass. Uh, you know, not as fast as being on that astral turf. So, you know, use that for your advantage. And I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but. Um, 
you know, this is I'm excited for this game, guys. I can't wait until Sunday, three o'clock, three thirty when this thing starts. This is gonna be a fun game to watch, a fun game to cover. Well, the top two defenses in the NFL and sack rate, which is sacks per opposing drop back uh per opponents drop back are the Philadelphia Eagles, number one. They get sacks on eleven point two percent of opposing dropbacks, and number two, the Dallas Cowboys, eight point nine percent. There's a good chance that the 49ers are gonna play both of these teams over the next two weeks. But first, they have to beat the Cowboys before there's a shot potentially at the Eagles who play the New York Giants. But what a great closing test, at least for the NFC bracket, for the 49ers offensive line, which I mentioned is ranked number three in pass blocking efficiency than the two best sack teams in the NFC. And Dallas, I mean, Dennis just mentioned they have horses. Obviously, Micah Parsons, 98 pressures on the season. Demarcus Lawrence, 56 pressures. Dorrance Armstrong, 43. Dante Fowler Jr., 40 pressures. I mean, this is is a legit team right here at getting after the passer. And that had been the 49ers Achilles heel, pass blocking for so many years. They're better this year. Brock Purdy, we know he's got that quickness, that burst, the quick twitch to get away. But it's going to take something from everybody from the 49ers. A, it's going to take the offensive line continuing to deliver the way that it has been delivering. Mike McGlinchey, looking at him. I mean, he's having a good year, but that's got to keep up in this one. Two, it's going to take Purdy operating in cohesion with that offensive line, getting rid of the football, knowing when to step up in the pocket. They can't have too much of this bailout stuff where he's rolling out, rolling to his bad side, and then and just throwing the ball away. That's going to kill a lot of drives. It killed some drives in the first half against Seattle. So, I mean, I think Purdy's biggest weakness so far is really clearly escape trying to bail the pocket too early and this game is going to offer a lot of that temptation he's going to have to step up in that pocket and you know really maneuver within it the way that he did against Seattle on the first touchdown to Christian McCaffrey that that's the correct kind of maneuvering that the 49ers want to see and you know Kyle Shanahan is going to have to be responsible for this too Kyle Shanahan's going to have to scheme up the right plays the right running plays to take some of the steam out of that Dallas pass rush because this is serious stuff now Matt This is one of the elite pass rushes in football, and the 49ers are going to have to prove that they are worthy of slowing it down and continuing to do their thing offensively. Yeah, I know that uh, last year's game is uh, infamous for the the Garoppolo shoulder injury that he suffered, but really he was, um, you know, uh, kept clean for, for most of the game. That was very much the exception to that game. I think he was hit four times there were there were uh, no sacks by the the Cowboys and it was because the that running game which the the Cowboys were were talking about it throughout that week I remember it I mean I remember Parsons saying something about really kind of uh, hitting Debo Samuel hard and treating him like a running back this is a wide receiver who was playing running back we're going to treat him like a running back uh, because it had been all Debo uh, in, in the run-up to that game. Debo had had that massive game in Los Angeles the week before, and they couldn't. They couldn't stop it. Um, you know, it was a style of running that uh, the Cowboys just hadn't seen very much. They just weren't very practiced against it. And the, the 49ers didn't quite reach that 40-carry that milestone, Dennis, but they had 38, and they had uh, 169 rushing yards and Debo had, you know, 10 for 72 and a touchdown and Elijah Mitchell had 96 yards and a touchdown. And this was with uh, Trent Williams, not at uh, full strength. Remember he was dealing with that elbow uh, injury that had kept him out of the uh, regular season finale. And there was no uh, 
uh, Mike McGlinchey either. Uh, that, that was a, a Tom Compton start at right tackle. So, uh, boy, the, the 49ers are at full arsenal for this one. They're playing at home. Uh, like like I, I keep saying, uh, the only thing that uh, keeps them from winning this game is if somehow they're just not uh, kind of at full capacity. If they start out like they did against the, the Seahawks, that there are a couple mistakes early. Um, and, uh, you know, that they, they have the right guys, McCaffrey, Bosa, Warner, especially Warner, to kind of make sure that that doesn't happen. I don't want to say that it's foolproof, but, um, you know, this, this, this should be a 49ers victory on Sunday. Yeah, and, you know, and if you come out flat, I mean, you, you, you dig yourself a hole, uh, it just make it, makes it more challenging. And, you know, you said it, Dallas, they remember that game last year. I mean, they have to remember that game because it came down to that last drive. And, and to see the clock run out and your offense is driving to win the football game, uh, and then you lose it uh, on some bad decision uh, by your quarterback. That's a gut punch. So, you know, that's going to be on Dallas's mind. Um, and, you know, how do you get it out their mind? I mean, you, you smack them in the mouth again. And, you know, it sounds kind of crazy and cliche, but if you smack a team in the mouth, they'll give up. Um, and I think Dak Prescott's a guy that, you know, he'll he'll start having memories. I mean, but, the, but, but your defense has to set the tone. I mean, offense – you know, if you can control the ball, put some points on the board. But defense, you really have to shut down uh, this offense because we saw against Tampa that they can get rolling. They can get some confidence and get rolling. So, you know, like I said, if you can't get up for the, a, a divisional playoff game, um, you know, you're in the wrong business. And, and you're at home. The crowd's going to be there. It's going to be a lot of Dallas fans, but I think Levi is going to be loud. Uh, you got to take advantage of that. And, and you got to come up fired up. You got to come up fired up because this is what you do it for. You know, you got you got two more steps now, and, and then you have an opportunity to compete for a championship. But it's going to start on Sunday. You got to get after it. So, you know, I'm ready. I'm fired up. I mean, I could play maybe one snap on Sunday, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, well, it's going to be awesome. 49ers, Cowboys, all that history. By the way, we talked about Keysar earlier. I just paid a visit to Keysar yesterday. I want to pay a visit to Candlestick tomorrow on my way down to Levi's. Um, I, I, I went there, I went there last week, Dennis, and unfortunately the sign that, that we were talking about is not there anymore. Oh, um, they took it down. Uh. Yeah. The one that says the San Francisco 49ers welcome you to Candlestick Park. That one's not yeah. there. There still is like the big one, the, the one that's like super ugly. Um, yeah, I think that's still there. Yeah. 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 The thing okay. is, it was like so windy when I went there that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go come back in the morning at some point. So uh, I'm going to go tomorrow morning on the way down just to take a couple photos because I had to go. Speaking of Keysar, the last game ever at Keysar Stadium, the Cowboys beat the 49ers, NFC Championship game, January 1971. So you talk about ripping a city's heart out, win the last game in their stadium and make that the NFC Championship game. I mean, 17 to 10. Craig Morton beat uh, John Brody in that one. And then, of course, 49ers got the Cowboys a candlestick in 81 or January 82. And then, but then there were some really tough defeats, Jimmy Johnson's yeah. Cowboys, 92, yeah. 93, before you guys got it done in uh, that 94 season. Anyway, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send a picture to you when I swing by there yes, um, on, yes. on Thursday morning, <laughs> looking forward to it. Um, 
This is it, guys. Uh, 49ers-Cowboys divisional round. We'll talk to everybody, I guess, after the game. But, uh, boy, is this one going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Any other thoughts? No. I mean, I think uh, <laughs> we, we covered it all. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think that the atmosphere is going to be like the tide that lifts everybody up. I don't I don't think it'll be possible to have a, uh, a down um, kind of uh, energy game. It's uh, it's just going to be so alive in that stadium. And, and I still believe the only team that can really beat the 49ers are hitting on all cylinders. If you come out, play offense, defense, special teams, only team you can beat you is the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, if, if you can play like this, if you can establish the run, um, efficient passing game, defense, uh, you know, pass rush complements coverage and coverage complements pass rush. Uh, get after the quarterback, Takeaways are going to be huge in this football game. Uh, and play mistake-free football, then you come off with a win. All right. We'll see what happens on Sunday. 3.30, divisional round. It's the last game of the weekend. No, is it? Is it the last game or is it the second? It, it is the last game. There's a game right before it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. there are four games this weekend, and this is the last one. So they, they're saving the best for last, the NFL is. 49ers, Cowboys on Fox. We'll talk to you all after this uh, titanic matchup that's coming up. So for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. See you next time on Here's the Catch.